those who struggle with imposter syndrome or this imposter phenomenon, um, they feel like I'm just not good and competent enough to be in this role, in this position, in this job. Um, I am not as smart or as capable as other people think I am. And soon they're gonna discover the truth about me <laughs> that, and I'm gonna be exposed for a fraud, right? I got hired for this position and they think I'm just gonna do this great job, but you know, I'm not enough. Um, and it's characterized by, yes, self-doubt, right? Um, comparing yourself to other people, for sure. And this is really important. People who struggle with imposter syndrome really dismiss and discount their own achievements and their own accomplishments. And they might chalk it up to, well, that was just luck, you know, that I got this job. Or I was just hired because, you know, they need me to be the token person of color. Um, it wasn't for my accomplishments. Um, or they say, well, yeah, I did good on this project, but hey, that's just the bare minimum. I should be doing that. So I don't really deserve any special praise. Welcome to Open Mind Night, a show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I'm your host, Robin Tamanaha, licensed marriage and family therapist. Joining me on this episode is my guest, Alyssa Martinez. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist providing individual online psychotherapy for adults in California, specializing in helping people break free from anxiety and self-doubt so that they can feel empowered, calm, and confident. Hello. Hi, Robin. Hi. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too, especially the topic. Yeah. Um, this is uh, something that comes up a lot, I feel like. So mm. let's like dive in because I have like a lot of questions. Um, for the listeners, could you talk a little bit more about like when I think self-doubt, you know, I think mm -hmm. like imposter syndrome, you mm -hmm. know, and so could you describe for the listeners, like what, uh, what exactly is imposter syndrome? Yeah. So first of all, I think it's really important to clarify that imposter syndrome itself is not a mental health disorder or a diagnosis. It's a term that was coined in the seventies to describe a cluster of thoughts and feelings and beliefs that uh, you know, that uh, one might have about themselves in relation to their self-worth, uh, and particularly in their performance, maybe in work or academic settings. So it's not a disorder, but um, a lot of the researchers are preferring to call this imposter phenomenon now, because phenomenon um, really acknowledges that this is a very complex thing and its origins are not necessarily in some kind of individual pathology. So we'll be talking more about that. 
Um, and basically those who struggle with imposter syndrome or this imposter phenomenon, um, they feel like I'm just not good and competent enough to be in this role, in this position, in this job. Um, I am not as smart or as capable as other people think I am. And soon they're gonna discover the truth about me <laughs> that, and I'm gonna be exposed for a fraud, right? I got hired for this position and they think I'm just gonna do this great job, but you know, I'm not enough. Um, and it's characterized by, yes, self-doubt, right? Um, comparing yourself to other people, for sure. And this is really important. People who struggle with imposter syndrome really dismiss and discount their own achievements and their own accomplishments. And they might chalk it up to, well, that was just luck, you know, that I got this job. Or I was just hired because, you know, they need me to be the token person of color. Um, it wasn't for my accomplishments. Um, or they say, well, yeah, I did good on this project, but hey, that's just the bare minimum. I should be doing that. So I don't really deserve any special praise. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. All these self-judgments, like criticisms, all these thoughts, doing more. I hear that a lot. Shoulds. And it sounds mm -hmm. like even um, probably minimizing what they have accomplished. I almost picture these as pretty, like, I know in, um, you know, in my work, when I, this has come up, the people that I've, I've worked with who have experienced this are actually quite successful. So it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And this is why this imposter phenomenon, this imposter syndrome, we really see it a lot in high achievers who have very high standards for themselves and for their performance. And they've done well. They're actually very accomplished um, and they're esteemed in the eyes of others, right? And we also can see some a tendency towards perfectionism and maybe being really hard on themselves when they're not always getting that A plus or they're not the best right? Um, and they think that, you know, I'm just not as great as other people seem to think I am. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds oh. like there's that, like when they're in it and they're in the industry or say academics or whatever it may be, mm -hmm. there's that feeling. I wonder too, like even before, like going into something like I, when I picture perfectionism, there's like that, mm -hmm. I need to be like fully prepared, you know, before mm -hmm. going into something, or I got to know it all before I even do something or when I'm just like getting started too. Yes, that is exactly right. And so one of the downfalls of imposter syndrome is it can lead people to engage in a lot of overwork. So I've worked with a ton of high achieving, brilliant clients. You know, these are university professors or people at the top of their field, and they feel like they need to work all these extra hours just to feel prepared, right? Just to ease their anxiety. And that can actually sabotage them, <laughs> right? Because it can lead to a kind of burnout. Uh, which prevents them from achieving the way they want to. Yeah. Yeah. So question, mm -hmm. where does this come from? I'm sure this is a very complex 
answer. But, you know, as far as, <laughs> you know, what, what may lead to this or what may influence this for a person? Yeah. So I like to think about the internal factors or quote unquote causes, factors that contribute to somebody experiences kind of imposter phenomenon and also some external factors. So, and first of all, I just want to normalize. It's really natural for us to have some level of nervousness and worry about our performance um, in certain settings and work and school, especially when there's a lot at stake, or maybe we're in a new career. We just got a new promotion. We see this a lot in, in high achieving college freshmen. Um, and this is normal to be nervous. So I don't want to pathologize that. Um, but when we look at some of the folks who tend to struggle with this, um, sometimes they might already have um, some issues with low self-worth or low self-esteem, which may have been with them off and on in various ways throughout their lives, right? Um, and maybe just kind of this core belief of I'm not good enough. And it can show up in other ways in relationships and whatnot. Um, sometimes we do see people who have a predisposition towards anxiety or depression, which is characterized by lots of negative thinking about oneself and a lot of fear and catastrophizing and, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail. Um, and again, we talked about perfectionism, right? Th those high achievers who have been used to getting a lot of their validation and and sense of self-worth by their performance, right? By that external praise. These are like the A plus star students. Um, and then also looking at things like trauma, right? There, there are people who have had, you know, experiences that were fairly traumatic for them around performance around failure that may be, you know, fed into their low sense of self-worth and feeling not good enough. Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of possible internal factors that can contribute to imposter syndrome for sure. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Yeah. And so what are the external? Yeah, and this is what I really love to talk about because I feel when, you know, people started talking about imposter syndrome at first, there was a lot of emphasis on the individual. Okay, this woman has imposter syndrome. What can she do to fix herself to feel more confident, right? It's her problem. And granted, there is a lot of benefit to doing that kind of internal growth work to help you feel more confident, to help you feel less self-doubt. And I love doing that work with my own clients. But I think it's really important to look at the context and container in which this imposter phenomenon um, manifests. And so I'm talking about systemic racism in the workplace, <laughs> in academia, in institutions and organizations that you know, people work in, um, sexism, ableism, uh, stigma, stigma around you know, body size and shape, um, you know, homophobia, transphobia, all of the isms and phobias that exist out there, right? And, you know, 
because when you think about the traditional ideas of what it is to be successful in the workplace or what it is to be successful in academia, this is really, these norms are really largely based on, you know, white, cisgender, uh, straight slash heteronormative male models, right? Um, because, you know, they've held the power, they've set those standards. And there's all those kinds of values and ideal deals that are attached to this, right? So that, you know, individualism, extroversion, being really, you know, competitive. When we think about a leader, right? We, a lot of people think about this traditional idea of, you know, a male leader, like who are the majority of CEOs, <laughs> right? They're men. Um, the value of overwork, right? You work, 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 work above and beyond, right? Um, and this is why it's interesting. We're seeing this topic of quiet quitting trending a lot right now. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah. So quiet quitting is kind of this new thing. It's kind of a buzzword term. And it's basically people putting their foot down and saying, you know what? I'm going to put in my time at work. I'm contracted to work 40 hours. I'm not going to go above and beyond because that negatively impacts my mental health and, you know, my sanity, my self-care. Um, so it's quite the opposite of this um, kind of norm of overwork and go, go, going, right? So if you're a woman in the workplace and you have three kids, you might not be able, and you're the primary caregiver, and if you're a single mother, you're not going to be able to go out and have drinks with, you know, your coworkers or the boys or, you know, all that camaraderie that happens outside of work, or maybe there's a special project, you're not going to be able to do that. And that can lead to feelings of, you know, I'm not measuring up in this context. Yeah. And um, the last thing I'll kind of say about this is, you know, introversion, right? So I work with a lot of introverts, very high achievers, but they really struggle in some of these work settings. And they struggle with this and feeling like they're imposters and not good enough, because they're they essentially are comparing themselves to coworkers who are very extroverted, right? Who are um, exhibiting these kind of traditional ideas of what it is to be a leader, be successful. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, so I know many, I can go on and on. <laughs> no, this is this is great. So many layers. And so it sounds like there's the internal, right? But then there's also the external and how, mm -hmm. I just really wonder, like, I know statistics is always a lot less than what's reported because, you know, as far mm -hmm. as measurement yeah. and how many are affected by this truly because there's the, the, all the external factors that you described. It's like the system and all these different settings it's like set up in a mm -hmm. way to where to to feel this way or to feel yeah. like outside of that or like how how could somebody not feel like I'm that whole thought of like I'm not enough or I'm not part of this or I don't measure up like there's just so many different pieces and it's like multiple mm -hmm. yes and that's why I think it's really important to look 
at the context. You know, sometimes we don't see the forest for the trees, right? We're so, think we're thinking about, okay, how do I become more confident? You know, how do I rise to the challenge? And definitely that's a piece of it, right? Like we want to feel empowered to kind of handle whatever role we're in and to do well. Um, but the truth is there are a lot of people, you know, from marginalized communities who face a lot of, you know, covert and overt microaggressions, mm -hmm. right? Discrimination, um, you know, I named them all off, ageism, ableism, all of that. And a, a lot of times, you know, these folks lack the role model, the leadership role models, right, at work or at school. Um, you know, like for example, in academia, academia, you know, largely in many areas of academia, there's a lack of, um, you know, professors who are, you know, of color, right, yeah. or who are younger, or, and I'm not, you know, I'm making this generalization here, there's definitely exceptions, and there's a lot of college institutions that are doing a wonderful job at being inclusive, and, you know, having a diverse workforce, um, but yeah, this is a challenge. No yeah. wonder people are feeling bad about themselves, you know? Yeah, I think even like within academia, and I don't quote me, you know, but um, mm -hmm. I remember, I remember when um, I interviewed for my graduate program, and mm. I was just trying to make small talk with like one of my interviewers. It's kind of awkward. We we're just waiting for the other professor who would do the oral interview to see if I'd, you know, get accepted. And I was like, bachelor's degree. That's an interesting bachelor's. You know, we're just like talking about it. And he talked yeah. about, well, I mean, essentially it's because those men, yeah. right. That would receive yeah. it. And he's like, that's, and I'm like, Oh, you know, and that's yeah. funny because my interview was Asian, you know, so all yeah. fellow Asians were talking about this. So we've gotten this whole topic about like systemic stuff, like within the academia. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is really, really there. And I, I do, you know, I, I do work with a lot of folks from academia. And so I've been exposed to this. And I recommend if anyone hasn't seen the Netflix show, The Chair with Sandra Oh, have you seen it? No. She is, um, I, I'm not sure of her exact ethnicity, but you know, Sandra Oh, uh, she's an Asian woman and she gets appointed to be the chair of the English department at the school. And, you know, it's not really about imposter syndrome per se, but it, um, it really depicts the challenges that she has as a woman, um, as a progressive woman and an Asian American woman mm -hmm. in academia. So, um, yeah, I really like that show. <laughs> I think it's got to check it out. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And I guess I think the thing I want to highlight here is feeling unsure of yourself at work, at school. This doesn't make you an imposter. You know, there's a normal level of nervousness and worry and concern we have, but there's a ton of other factors that have nothing to do with you as an individual, right? Mm. So I just want to you know, put it in this broader container just to help normalize and depathologize how so many people feel, because this can be a really normal reaction to being working and studying and being in settings that, you know, at worst can be really toxic, right? 
Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. That's really helpful. And I think that's very important, you know, for the listeners to hear is that that doesn't Mm -hmm. make you that, you know? Um, And so what next, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned there's um, the, some of the internal, there's some of the core beliefs maybe, and then mm-hmm. um, compounded sometimes also all the time by systemic, right? So what to do? What you know? to do? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's start You know, from the outside in. I definitely think that those who are in positions of power to kind of fix um these systems, you know, it would be good if they do so, right? Mm. And create cultures within organizations that are inclusive of differing work and leadership styles that, you know, have inclusive of diverse genders, diverse identities, diverse abilities, recognizing that not everyone works exactly the same. There are many ways to be a leader, right? And how are new leaders being nurtured? Maybe leaders who might be kind of introverted and they maybe work better in small team settings rather than you know, giving these large presentations, right? Or you know, different people with different communication styles. So I think you know, those who are in the position to make positive change and provide the kinds of role models, you know, that we need, that's a big step, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then let's look about what the individual can do, because that's important too, right? We want to empower people to, you know, take ownership and take care of themselves, yeah? Um, so the first thing I wanna say is you're definitely not alone And I would really encourage people to talk about this, maybe with trusted peers and coworkers, right? Sometimes it can be feel safe, unsafe, sorry, to talk about imposter syndrome because it's like an admission of like, oh, I'm not good enough, right? Or I'm struggling, so that means I'm weak. Um, So definitely find people who you can trust, who you can talk to about it. And, you know, there's a lot of celebrities, Michelle Obama, Maya Angelou, all of these people who have, you know, talked about struggling with imposter syndrome. So I think, you know, look outward for those voices too. Um, And I would also say, you know, it's really important to acknowledge your skills and your strengths. And so... I would say, sit down, sit down with yourself, even jot it down. What are you really good at, right? You wouldn't have gotten to the place you are in life today, the position that you find yourself in, if you weren't good at something, right? Because to be a true fraud, you'd have to really be fooling people every step of the way, and you would totally trip up and mess up. So how realistic is it that you are an imposter? Poster? Not really. So really take inventory of what is it about you, your accomplishments, your skills. What do you? What value do you bring to the table? And you might enlist a friend or again a trusted colleague to mirror that back to you. Right. Sometimes we need to get out of our own heads to hear it. 
Um, so that's definitely one thing you can do. Another thing is this might sound counterintuitive, but help others, meaning you might mentor or you might provide support to a coworker or a colleague or another person who's struggling, right? You might tutor someone. As we are helping others, serving others in that way, we really get a sense of like, oh, wow, I'm actually, I actually know something here, right? I have something to give and contribute in this way. Um, and I, this is a really good thing for, uh, you know, college professors when they do mentorship, right, of other students and um, graduate students and up and coming uh, professors too. So yeah, mentoring, helping. Um, and another thing is imposter syndrome can lead to a lot of overwhelm, right? Because you feel like you have to work so hard to prove yourself and to get it right. And I would say anytime you have a project, a task, a big thing that's feeling like Mount Everest and you're like, oh my God, am I good enough? I don't think I can do it. I'm gonna fail. They're gonna see I'm a fraud. Break it down step-by-step step and just focus on the next thing then just bite-sized pieces, focus on the next thing and do that. And then do the next thing after that. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, right? I am a psychotherapist and I'm also a life coach. And I know that there can be tremendous value in doing that kind of inner work that therapy and often coaching can provide. Um, you know, not that it's all your fault and the problem is all within you, but there's a lot of growth work that can happen there when you look within. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. I love those takeaways. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, we're almost out of time. Mm -hmm. Is there anything I didn't ask or bring up that you'd like to, you'd like the listeners to know about? Well, you know, as I'm thinking about this list, this kind of list I have in my head of like how to work with this in within yourself, one of the things we didn't really talk about um, was a technique that I use. This is um, from a, a therapeutic orientation called internal family systems or parts work. And it's really about dialoguing and working with this part of you that feels like an imposter. So we might not have time. I don't know if we have time to go over it now or if we might save it. <laughs> I would say you can maybe briefly kind of describe it. And then I want to have you back and we'll, we can do like a whole other okay. episode on it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. To dive okay, in. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. definitely describe it for the listeners because um, that's one actually that I don't hear talked about a lot. So I think it is important for the listeners to know about. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. so internal family systems is, you know, uh, uh, kind of an approach to psychotherapy, but we use it a lot in life coaching as well. Some coaches do. Uh, that... The premise is within each of us, we have multiple sub-personalities. Now, this isn't quote unquote multiple personality disorder as it was formerly called or dissociative identity disorder, right? This just naturally means that there is a part of us 
that feels shame. There's that part of us that gets angry. There's that part of us that feels guilty. And there is this part of us that feels like we're imposters. And these parts of us usually consist, they, they spring up usually earlier in life um, during times in our life where we really suffered painful experiences or some kind of emotional wounding that led this part of us to adopt this belief of, I'm not good enough, I'm an imposter, therefore I need to work extra hard right? <laughs> to do well, or and they, it results in a bunch of ways that this part tries to cope with it, right? Um, and so one thing that I would invite people to do is, you know, and you can use your imagination here, what you can do is when you're feeling that imposter stuff come up, or that self doubt, that low self confidence, I want you to sense in to this part of you. Okay, so if this part were a part of you, who would it be? What would it look like, right? Sometimes people get an image of themselves or maybe a object or a being or maybe just an energy, right? They might notice like, oh, when I feel this imposter syndrome, I feel this tightness in my chest, right? You can sense into your body. And I, I know I'm going over this very quickly. And they can sense into this part, imagine this part, and then really listen, and maybe even let this part speak and write down what this part is saying. Oh, I feel so horrible. I'm not good enough. I'm fooling all these people. Who am I to do this job, et cetera. Um, and so just really let that part speak and you can write it down, right? In, in just on a piece of paper. Then what I want you to do is step back, figuratively speaking, and I want you to imagine the part of you that's kind, that holds some wisdom. And if it's hard to access that part, you might imagine somebody you know who is a trusted advisor or guide or mentor who, who you trust their opinion um, and speak to that part from this place, right? Maybe as the way a kind parent or a kind role model would speak to this part that feels very, um, not very confident about themselves. And this natural dialogue can develop, yeah? So again, <laughs> that's a real brief explanation, but it's a good jumping point for some self-exploration. Definitely, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I try to give the Cliff's Notes version, but it's hard because I'm so immersed in parts work. <laughs> so. Well, um, just for the listeners, definitely check back because we'll do, we're going to do an episode on that. I definitely want to dive deep. I have a lot of questions about about that. And I and yeah. thanks for also giving um, the listeners a little kind of like a little exercise, you know, yeah. activity that they can do too. I think yeah. that's amazing. That sounds like really amazing work. Yeah. Um, well, before we end, for the mm -hmm. listeners, if they want to find out more about you, is there anywhere that they could go, like website or social media handles that they could check out? 
Absolutely. So for people who want to find out about uh, therapy and how I work in therapy and the services I offer, they can go to Elisa Martinez Therapy. That's E-L-I-S-A Martinez Therapy.com. And if they want to find out about my coaching, um, I do have a new social media uh, on Instagram. It's at Creating Calm Confidence on Instagram. And I'm also on Facebook um, at Creating Calm and Confidence. Yeah. Cool. So I will put the direct links in the show notes. Okay. That way um, the listeners can just click on it. And then as far as psychotherapy, just a reminder for the listeners that uh, we're licensed by state. So you can live anywhere in the state of California, um, you know, to receive services. Uh, so thank you so much for doing this. This was so informative and helpful. Um, I, I love this and I'm, I'm excited to have you back too, to talk more. Thank so. you so much, Robin. It was really a joy and a pleasure to talk about this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to come back. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guest are listed in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram at openmindnightpod. Also, This podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.